podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nakum Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. Week 12 coming into view. Two terrific guests coming your way. Comedian actor David Whitney dropping by a little bit later on his first appearance of the season. Big New York Giants fan. So we are definitely going to talk about Joe Judge, who's fast becoming my favorite character in the NFL. I know Dave is a massive uh, Dave Gettleman fan as well. So I'm sure we'll spend a lot of the chat talking about uh, Dave Gettleman. And indeed, fast pick all the games that we haven't got into with Iron Mike, who leads us off this week deep diving into all the key things you need to know about the big games from week 12. So let's get straight to it. All right, Mike, happy Thanksgiving. But tell me you've been busy in the Carlson kitchen. Uh, I'm afraid I haven't. Um, it's It's been interesting because I was talking to our old buddy, Colin Murray, on his oh, yeah. um, America show on Monday. And um, we were talking turducken. And I had to confess that I not only have never eaten a, a cooked turducken, I've never actually eaten one either. A turducken? Um, explain. You remember a turducken, John Madden's thing every Thanksgiving? It, it's, it's basically um, a chicken deboned and stuffed inside a duck deboned and then they're both stuffed inside a deboned turkey and there's layers of stuffing and stuff between them and then it's all baked together of course and um and i i stunned colin but we used to you know we used to have the thanksgiving games and, and watch that but then i stunned him by discovering um that there, there was something called the um, roti uh, non perai or something like that in France in 1807, which had about 20 birds stuffed together. And the smallest one was a warbler. Mm. And the warbler was then stuffed with one olive. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and I thought, I guess they, you know, they couldn't fit a second one in, but two would ruin the taste of these other 25 <laughs> birds, which included larks and and uh, teals and all kinds of weird stuff. And the biggest bird was a bustard. And I had to actually look up what a bustard was. What is a bustard? It's a big bird with, with uh, long legs and long beak. So it, it looks kind of like a cross between a turkey and an ostrich, not with the long neck. Well, obviously we're recording on Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. Not sure when everyone out there is listening to us, but let's just quickly cover a bit of news before we key into some of the big week 12 games. Most notably, Mike, the, the move... Uh, movement of the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game to Sunday, right? With COVID impacting the Ravens' cap. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting story. And and I'll get my plug in for the Patreon column. Let's um, do it. Mike Carlson, FMTE at Patreon. Um, I've written that today instead of Friday. And um, I've talked about it there. It, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. that The Steelers players were, were first complaining about playing Baltimore if they had these positive tests. Uh, because you don't know about other players who haven't tested positive right. yet. Um, then they changed their tune saying that this was their second big disruption of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you remember they lost the game um, in week four and had to take an early bye week. Early bye week. Right. Four. Right. And then, um, and that this, you know, this wasn't fair when San Francisco, for example, a few weeks ago had to put out basically a JV team um, to play them. And I, I appreciate that they lose, you know, kind of a mini buy because they don't have to play after they didn't have to play after Thanksgiving until the following Sunday. So that was good for them. Um, but Baltimore obviously has a complaint. Um, 
in that they'll play on Sunday now, but then they have to play Dallas the following Thursday. So they get two games in, in five days. So right. that, that hurts them. Now uh, they have more time to prepare for Pittsburgh and short weeks are always a problem when you're the way team, uh, which they were against the Steelers. So but it's probably six of one, half a dozen, the other of them, but the NFL, and I have a lot of sympathy for what they've done. What they're doing is waiting to see what happens between now and Sunday in terms of testing. Mm. Nobody who's tested positive is going to play on Sunday because it's a, sure. they have a 10 day, um, a 10 day quarantine. So, so, you know, from the Ravens point of view and, and the fans point of view, this means that Ravens people who might've tested false positive, they might test negative or the ones who have only been exposed, but are automatically then put on the COVID list right. um, will be able to play. So I think in the, in the end, the balance of, of factors is in favor of the postponement. And the, in, the other interesting thing is that NBC who never broadcast except in the playoffs during um, in the afternoons, mm. they have the Sunday night game. They're going to have an afternoon game as well. It's going to be the best of the um, six o'clock kickoffs, uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. So yeah, they're going right. to probably do well with ratings because it'll be a national rating. Whereas the other, um, the other two, Fox and CBS, both have the, the country split up to try to get the best game in each section that's of the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll have the one national game. So that's good for them. Um, they'll still have the Thursday night game. And um, Al Michaels was getting the week off because he's old. Um, <laughs> I wonder how old Al actually is. He's, he's got to be, a, you know, at least 75. As Al had work, I think is what you're suggesting. Yeah. But anyway, so now I guess Al will be brought back for one of the two um, Sunday games. Mike Tirico was going to do them with, with Collinsworth. So I, got, I would assume Tirico and Collinsworth do Thursday and then Al and Collinsworth do one of the Sunday games and Tirico right. does the other one with someone else. Mm. It's, it's fascinating the Steelers response you say was interesting the, the NFL has stuck to the line you said it's not because the, the Ravens were shorthanded it's because uh, of the close contact right and, and players and staff as well not just that we, well, we it's, someone, it's someone in the staff apparently who who was the um, the proximate originators? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, so they're blaming it. They're blaming it on him. But mm. um, you know, the implication being that somehow he broke quarantine, or you know, you know how it is. It, it could be someone in his family. You know, almost, right. almost anything. But but um, that seems to be the the uh, starting point. And um, both Ingram and Dobbins, I think, tested positive um, Ingram and Dobbins Brandon Williams as well was up Pernell McPhee Calais Campbell I mean is it that they were yeah, Campbell absolutely. and Williams have been out anyway with injuries so mm. you know this could be something that, that was picked up around the training room or something mm. they still have Gus Edwards um mm -hmm. so, who ran very well of course in the in the in the game a month ago right yeah in, yeah in, and, you know, and and so you know so far they're not they won't be terribly badly struck if nothing gets worse um before before sunday um and the steelers will be going you know damn you know because mm. nothing better than having the ravens on a short week uh when they're a little right. bit shorthanded right now i've got a thanksgiving equation for you and mike out of chicago right does nick Foles minus mitch trubisky equal tyler bray <laughs> <laughs> well tyler bray's one strong point is that he was just the one <laughs> with the chiefs for right. a long time when Nagy was there. Right. No okay. system. He didn't yeah, yeah. play much. Um, so that, and I think that's an interesting 
it's an interesting thing because for Nagy, this is this is almost an admission that he can't get either of those quarterbacks to do what he wants to do, right. um, or or he can't do it with them at quarterback um, if Bray if Bray gets the start. And I suspect it's going to be kind of like what we thought when Chase Daniel played was it last year from and it was mm-hmm. okay now this will be good because he can run the you know he he knows mm-hmm. the system he he's a he's a game managing kind of quarterback and and of course he was awful um mm-hmm. you know he he looked as rusty as he as he might have been so um I, I I think this is uh kind this is kind of like um uh, putting six pumpkins in your uh, anti aircraft guns to to shoot at the uh, <laughs> to shoot at the aerial barrage that's coming from you, uh, coming at you, excuse me. Um, Sounds promising. Hey, listen, before we get to the next uh, topic, where's Rufus? Rufus around? Is Rufus in here? No, he's, um, okay. I've got All the right. headphones on, so hopefully he mm. doesn't hear what you mm. say. Oh, okay, good. Because well, I want to talk Jets, and there's good news for the Jets, Mike. They might be getting a... <laughs> They might be getting a pro bowler. Uh, so, define yeah. that. <laughs> okay. Well, the pro bowling voting has come out. The latest votes, of course, the, the fan votes, which count for the overall selection. Uh, and uh, Braden Mann, their punter. So for old school Americanish listeners, a bit of punter news for you as well, doubling down. Is uh, is currently in the AFC lineup. And in true Jets fashion, you'll love this because they show all the players that are leading the votes in, the, in their respective positions and the number of votes that they've got. In, in true Jets fashion, he has the lowest number of votes out of either <laughs> the NFC or the AFC roster. So <laughs> amazing work for him. Well, but that, nevertheless, there you go. I news. suppose that's that's kind of vote splitting by the other punters. Um, yeah, possibly. I was ar- Around that. the league. Um, I would have probably cast my vote for Jake Bailey, um, mm. who unusually for the Patriots is playing in a much more key role (laughs) (laughs) this season um, than he normally would. But there's, there's, you know, there's an awfully lot of good punters around right now. And and the whole nature of punting has gotten better in in the past few years, um, which I attribute primarily to Australian punters Mm. um, from Darren Bennett onward, you know, and, and now we've got a number of them uh, very well, but not only with big legs, but, but the ability to, um, control the ball more to, to place the ball and put the kind of spin they want on it. Mm. And everybody's picked up on that, obviously. Um, but, you know, I wrote about Paul Horning last week and I was just looking at the place kicking in the stats and the change in statistics for kickers, which began with the Gogolax, but, you know, went with Jan Stenerud and then the end Morton when everybody now kicks with their instep. Um, mm. And, you know, it's been a huge difference in, in how accurate the kicking is. Right. Uh, and funnily enough, I was watching the lions against the bar, sorry, the, the all blacks against the barbarians in, in 73 and noting how bad the kicking was, mm. um, you know, how many conversions that nowadays we think are virtually automatic weren't in those days you know and and kicking has just come along by leaps and bounds so much in the last couple of generations that um you know it it changes the game completely i was when when um what's his name ty long Mm. you know took that deliberate safety for the chargers um you know ran back 28 yards whatever it was Yeah, yeah yeah he then had to do a free kick right um which went 54 yards and I was thinking, if you're if you trusted your kicker to go out there and field it, if it was just a uh, a field goal game and not a touchdown game, if you were down by two, say or three, your kicker could go out and field and catch the kick and call a fair catch, and then he would get a free kick. 
Right. And Bray's kick went 54 yards. So that would put it on the 36 yard line, which is almost exactly the kickoff spot. You could have a holder mm. um, holding the ball on the ground and you would get to run up because it's a free kick. So you could, in effect, I'd love to see this play. You could, in effect, have a, a kickoff as a field goal attempt um, off a free kick to win the game, <laughs> you know, amazing. and, and I just someday hope that that happens. Cause uh, I, I just, I just really want to see it. Um, you know, thinking of Tyler Bray, it just popped into my mind. Um, um, Brandon Allen mm-hmm. is going to get the start for Cincinnati. Right. Um, after a week of Ryan Finley mm. and or half half a game of Ryan Finley, I guess. Is and, that too much Ryan Finley? Not enough Ryan Finley. Would you well, say? it's probably too much, <laughs> sure. but the point being, they know what Ryan Finley can or can't do. Brandon mm-hmm. Allen, they ought to know what he can and can't do. But but the point is, he spent two years with the Rams mm-hmm. when Zach Taylor was there. Ah, of course, yeah, yeah. And it's just like Tyler Bray; he mm-hmm. never played. <laughs> I, he knows, he I don't know how many passes he threw for the Rams, but it wasn't very many, mm-hmm. um, if any, if any. But he knows the system, and 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 therefore he's going to get his shot. Um, and it's it's almost exactly the same situation as as Tyler Bray in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. It's a great point. Hey, Mike, before we get into uh, looking in a bit more detail at some of the big games this weekend, I know you want to talk about the Hall of Fame semi-finalists that have been announced. 25 names in the in the, in the the semi-final. No punches, disappointingly, uh, from what I can work out, but some uh, heavyweights in there, nevertheless. Calvin Johnson, uh, Peyton Manning, Rondé Barber, of course, our old friend. Rondé Barber came over all those years ago, and I played Tiger Woods golf with him. I'm sure that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's probably helped. That's him, probably helped a high course. point in his Hall of Fame resume. <laughs> Not I too would many say guys so. can. Yeah, it's interesting. Fred Taylor's in the mix as well. It's good to see. Yep. Him. I mean, there's a lot of. Obviously, you wouldn't expect to see any, you know, turkeys in the. In, is, to use a Thanksgiving metaphor, mm, nice. um, in, in this uh, Peyton to me is is obvious. He's obvious. You know, the he's the slam dunk first ballot um, should be unanimous. Reggie Wade. Um, beyond that, though, the guys who I think really have the best cases aren't don't seem to be getting a lot of love. Mm. Um, one is Alan Fanica, mm-hmm. who um, was first team All Pro six times and went to Pro Bowls nine times, including one year when he moved out to left tackle for the Steelers. Um, Zach Thomas, your Miami Dolphin hero, Mm. who was five and seven, five times first team All-Pro and seven times in the Pro Bowl. And Patrick Willis, who's an Mm. interesting one because his career was cut short. He played seven years and then, uh, you know, halfway through his eighth year, he got a, a really serious injury and, and mm. basically retired. But in those seven years, he was all, pro bowl all seven times. And he mm. was first team all pro five times in seven years. So the question is, obviously it's a bit like Tony Boselli who's often up. who's also in the, the 25 semifinalists this year, but it's more impressive than Boselli who went six years um, mm. and had three first team all pros. Willis was obviously one of the two or three best linebackers in the league every year that he played. Mm. Um, Megatron, who's in the list, played only nine years. So, you mm-hmm. know, seven versus nine. Um, I don't know if where you draw the line, but, you know, I would think that in my mind, I, I would give them my votes, those three guys, along with Manning. And then probably Charles Woodson, um, who's not kind of overwhelming in some senses, but his career was 18 years. Mm. Um, and he was Pro Bowl sort of in 1998 and 2015, which is... <laughs> 
<laughs> which is a pretty amazing kind of stat when you look at it. Um, Richard Seymour is another guy I like a lot and he'll suffer because Jared Allen's in there. Um, mm. They've got a kind of similar uh, awards thing, but, but uh, Seymour was on three Super Bowl winners, but Allen got the sacks and Seymour mm. was always a guy who played in a three, four or, you know, moved inside and passing downs in four when he was in Oakland. So it's harder to make that case. You know, this may be the year when no wide receivers go in. Mm. Um, like Reggie Wayne, I guess would be the front runner. Well, no, I think Megatron has to be. Uh, yeah, fair, um, fair. And, and here's the funny thing. Tory Holt was all pro how many times? Once. Wow, Reggie okay. Wayne was all pro how many times? Once. Heinz Ward was all pro how many times? Mm, I'm guessing None. once. No. Never. Never. Wow. You know, um, Holt, Holt led the league in, receive, in receptions once. Reggie led it in receptions never. Mm. Um, you know, there were a lot of good receivers. Uh, and there are now. I mean, we're in an era of passing. So the question is, do you let everybody in who has a good line of stats or do you have to draw the line somewhere and take the guys who were the recognized best at the time? You've got to surely put, put that element of context into it. But it's another uh, which this is something we can really deep dive in. I think the, the Hall of Fame voting mechanic and what, what yeah i mean qualifies. we can we can definitely we can wait off. on that till they break it down to the yeah. finalists for yeah example. that's a great show but, um, yeah but i mean you know when i interviewed tory i told him i thought he should be in the hall of fame um <laughs> in fact i thought he should be in instead of isaac bruce which which is not the argument i made to him but i hope not yeah i, I hope you led with that as well just to get him on side i interviewed tory holt in uh night town and oxford street should we just go through all the interviews i've done with the- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you maybe you should try to crash the uh, meeting where the guys argue, you know, because one person who has a vote gets right. up and argues each case, you mm, know, and nice. you could just sit there and then pop up and say, plus I interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the deciding factor or just just not even just be under the table, just hold up a, a tablet with me playing. Uh, Ronde Barber at Tiger Woods Golf and just bring it back down again. <laughs> Who won? Oh, come on. <laughs> you have to. You have to ask. I think Ronde Barber won every hole. Um, Do you think okay. Matt Patricia's a first time, a first ballot Hall of Famer? Mm, I think Matt Patricia's pencil should be. <laughs> I would vote for the pets in the pencil Hall of Fame. Uh, Matt Patricia's Sharpie goes in. Right. We better actually talk some games, Mike, I think, because there are some great games this weekend. Let's start with Chiefs Bucks then, the game of the weekend. I think, I think it's fair to say. And I want to in first on the Bucks offense, Mike, because it's getting a lot of criticism. Arians and Leftwich are getting called out for being a little bit too static, too stilted, and really not making the most of the weapons that they've got. Is that a fair call? I'm not sure of where the problem lies here. Um, but you remember when when we talked about where Tom Brady was going to go, and and you know, and and Tampa always looked like a good destination because last year they were a good team that that you know lost games a couple of three games that they shouldn't have lost but because of turnovers yep but the mer the meld between brady's style of play and arians was always a kind of problem because arians likes the longer developing downfield passing game um with the you know he's had quarterbacks who not only do it but he's also left them out to dry in terms of protection mm. um while doing that carson palmer uh, andrew luck ben when he was um a young a young player and arians was a, a offensive coach there um and brady of course can do the long game which he did with with 
um, Randy Moss, but has always been in a kind of mix and match offense, which at its worst was called dink and dunk uh, for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And um, at its best, takes advantage of whatever mismatch they've got, which when you have Gronkowski and when you had both Gronkowski and, and um, Aaron Hernandez, you had tons of mismatches and it made life easier for your wide receivers. I think what's happening right now is that the coaches, Brady and the receivers are not all on the same page. Mm. Um, and you can see it in the games by the way um, Brady is throwing the ball to spots where there's no receiver. Uh, I think one of the interceptions he threw last week was his misread um, of what the, of what the defense was doing. One was pretty obviously a misread by the receiver um, and Brady threw to where he thought that receiver was going to be. Um, and uh, obviously he wasn't there and therefore uh, the ball was intercepted. Mike, he's surprised that's happening this far into the season. Yeah. Uh, to, in a sense, I am. Um, and, and it's not just cause Antonio Brown is, is, um, you know, new and, yeah, and, and sure. picking up there. Um, but it seems like they flick a switch between throwing the short crosses, the drags and, and the short and the curling comebacks and stuff like that, which Brady is zipping the ball on those, you know, his arm looks as strong as ever on the short to intermediate throws, um, but then when they want to go long, it's almost like they flick a switch and say, okay, now we're throwing long. And his long ball, while it looks good, I don't think has, doesn't get there quite as quickly as it ought to, or as it used to. And it gives, it gives defenses time uh, to respond if the receiver's not, um, doesn't have the root beaten. And you would think with that core of receivers, um, someone should always be open. Uh, now they gave up on the run game, I thought. Um, against New Orleans, they absolutely did. I mean, yeah. they seem to, to and, think they'll, they seem... they'll lean on it more because obviously that's where the Chiefs D can, can be hurt most easily. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, you know, they they can be they can be pretty tough, um, and you have you have to with 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 um, you have to with the Chiefs uh, stretch them, uh, you know, stretch them out. They know they can rush Brady. I'm not, I don't think that the rush has been a huge problem for him um, in terms of people are saying, oh, he's ducking out too soon. He's, mm. he's throwing bad balls. I, I don't really see that um, apart from um, um, when, when New Orleans basically did what the Giants did in the Super Bowl and rushed right. up the middle, right. um, which is kind of taking a risk in one sense, but, um, but he's not going to go around you to the, to the outside. Well, the Rams had some success as well, didn't they? But then the, the Bucks line was, and has been, of course, banged up a little bit and they've had to move pieces around. Yeah. Aaron Donald was venting today. I, I put that in my column too, because I always love it when Aaron Donald and I are on the same page. Um, <laughs> but Aaron and Iron Mike are both saying that there's, you know, not enough holding calls. Offensive linemen are getting away with murder. Mm. Um, and in that game, Donovan Smith was basically rodeoing <laughs> in the end zone on a Brady pass, which should have been a safety. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think what, here, here's what here's what if if bill belichick was coaching tampa bay they'd be unbeaten right now right right um you know and 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 that's no knock on arians or on todd bowles to in you know in, in general but you know you just look at what this team has 
and you, you think you have to be able to put it together a little bit better than that. And, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, if it's almost just too much. Um, mm. When you point. think of Arians teams in Arizona, say where they, you know, he was playing with quarterbacks who weren't so good and, and he could kind of look for specific things. And Brady may be, maybe just trying to open up too much, in sure. this and 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 too much influence in there. Yeah. The team hasn't adjusted to it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, too many options, as it were. Interesting um, point. Let's talk about the the Chiefs' offense, Mike. And I, I want to get your theory on how you, at the very least, slow it down. If not, because I don't think anyone could completely stop it. How do you? What's the best way to stifle? You, you do. You do what you do. What Mike Lombardi recommended that Kyle Shanahan do before the Super Bowl, which was to go up to the referee and says, "Look." If you're not going to call holding in this game, they can't block our guys. If you're not going to call holding, just give them the trophy and we won't go. We won't play. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what it turned out to be. The Chiefs, right. the Chiefs do hold a lot. Mm. Um, and, you know, partly when you have a team with a mobile quarterback, you hold because when he breaks the pocket and the defender starts to chase, you hang on. You know, you, you want to hold him back. But they do it on on their runs. On uh, you know, they, um, when, when they're doing when they're doing influence blocking, um, their tackles are not really that good in pass blocking, especially Fisher on the left side. If you got a really good good um, rusher, so that's the first thing is is you try to dominate them there. Um, the second one is you take away the deep play. Uh, you make them beat you underneath. Uh, and and to do that, that means, you know, your problem is if you do it with a two-man deep zone, then Kelsey's going to try to kill you in the seams. Right. Um, and if you bring a third guy back, then they'll run you and they'll run a lot of wide receiver screens, a lot of jet sweeps and stuff like that. And because their ground game is, is, is demonstrably stronger year on year as well, Mike, I'd argue, would you say they're a stronger offense this year than they were last year? Um, Edward Solaire does give them um, another another dimension. Um, he's Kareem. He's Kareem Hunt, basically. Mm. Um, you know, and and they yeah. sort of missed. Uh, they sort of missed Hunt um, this year. But um, yeah, it, if they were if they had all their running backs, they'd be even more more threatening. Sure, because uh, Williams is a good backup. You know, but yeah. um, well, Lev Bell's um, getting Lev Bell's starting to you know get something going. Yeah, and that's the, that's going to be the the thing. He's such a good fit for them. Um, like Gurley, a, a running back who can run a pass route uh, mm-hmm. downfield, yeah. you know, very accurately and stuff. And if he's back into his um, 2017 Steeler form at any point going into the playoffs, that's going to make them really hard to defend. A lot riding, of course, for both teams on on this, particularly with the, the Chiefs in, uh, I think, a fair race with with the Steelers for that number one overall seed which is extra significant this year of course in the way the playoffs have changed yeah it's the it's the only it's the only bye week now in the new right in the new format um and I think the Chiefs you know looking down the line um if they get past Tampa they're really their only threatening game in the rest of their season is New Orleans Mm. Uh, whereas Pittsburgh's got Baltimore um then they've got Buffalo and then they've got Indy Mm. Um, you know, which are, they should be able to win all three of those games, but they're, those are good teams. Those, those are teams that could, could beat them on the day. And and then of course, Cleveland's their last game of the season, which, which could be very interesting, um, <clears throat> in, in some ways, but, um, is this the best defense? Up, they like could the... wind up in a dead heat, you know, at, 
at mm. 14 and two say um the, what pittsburgh and kansas pittsburgh city could, yeah. and kansas city yeah is this the best defense Mahomes has played all season do you think um tampa's defense is pretty good i'm not i'm trying to think of who else they've played i'm not sure it's the best pittsburgh's would probably be the best um the difference being this year that pittsburgh is actually covering people um pretty well but tampa bowls is a great defensive coordinator they've got some real talent there if if vita via was playing i'd say yes mm. but i think his loss has been not crucial for them but it's you know it's it's visible steve mcclendon the ex-dealer i like a lot i mean he's a good player but he's not he's not a 340 pound guy with with great quickness you know uh, and and mobility Let's move on to the Cards Patriots next. And there was an interesting line from our friend, cousin Greg, Greg Rosenthal on Twitter, who pushed this out a little bit earlier on today. said the Pats have gone from first to dead last in defensive DVOA. And Cam Newton making $1 million is still getting blamed for their season, which, <laughs> which I thought was spot on. Is this the worst defense that Belichick has had in New England, Mike? Probably, probably yes. Um, and there's excuses for that. There's reasons for it. I sure. mean, he had, you know, he lost starters in free agency. But everybody does, right? Well, I mean, and then he had starters COVID, for COVID. Yeah. I mean, they've basically That's lost different. Eight, eight starters from eight, eight of the top 13, say. Uh, take the first yeah. part of that. I hear you for sure. But every team loses does starters in free. Yeah, but not, I mean, that that's a lot. Um, you know, it's an entire defensive line um, and, and good players. I mean, Hightower, Van Noy, the kind of key to that defense is, is flexibility. And, and, mm. and those were the guys who they could play inside, outside pass rush, whatever. Uh, Chung, you know, Chung interestingly never did anything with the Eagles came back to the Patriots and he's very valuable again because right. they know how to use them. They, sure. um, and they didn't have, you couldn't have that many replacements for them. And um, the COVID I accept, but, G but Belichick's the GM, Mike, he's in control of if those players leave in free agency, then, you know, he's in control of ensuring they well, don't or replacing exactly. Them. But they, the players leave in free agency and you start to think about rebuilding and then you lose right. the guys who go to COVID and now you've got to rebuild again. And, yeah. you know, he's made a couple of moves that were okay. Uh, like Bo Allen say in, in the middle, um, um, which and then he now he's out um mm. so you know they've re they're really playing a lot of guys who are waiver wire pickup uh, right guys undrafted free agents and they're they're not playing badly um their biggest problem that i saw against houston was that uh winovich who's third round pick from the year before yeah and, and you know they have a lot of hope for um was was not playing with the discipline. He reminded me of Jamie Collins. Mm. Um, so he was showing a lot of talent, but he, he wasn't playing with the discipline you need against Deshaun Watson. And, you know, they still have most of their secondary intact. Right. Um, and so Gilmore's, cover Gilmore back, Gilmore's yeah. back now. So th that means they can cover better. Mm. Um, and it means, you know, you can possibly deal with D-Hop, but they have exactly the same problem with Kyler Murray, probably more so than you did with Deshaun Watson. Right. Um, you know, and when you watch that game again, the, the, the Houston New England game, it was like watching um, touch football. 
you know, mm -hmm. Houston basically did nothing except what Deshaun Watson did. Well, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. And, and he was great. You know, he, he, he would move around a bit and then get a receiver who was downfield and open and the Patriots didn't seem to be able to decide whether they should be covering these guys in man or zone. Um, you know, they didn't, they couldn't run the ball. That was good. Wilson, um, Watson didn't, he, he gained, I think he was their leading rusher, but he didn't have any huge gains. He did mm -hmm. just enough uh, to keep the sticks moving yeah. um, and killed them with the arm. And Murray's going to do exactly the same thing mm. if they, if they can't be disciplined and control him, because obviously you want to make Murray beat you from the pocket. Right. Right. Um, Although he's, he's, you know, I think underrated from the pocket. He actually looks statistically at what he can do there. I think because he's so electric and dynamic yeah, when he breaks what, out. What runs, you're hoping but... for um, in, in a realist is you take away those big chunk plays mm. that, that drive you crazy you take away his keeping the ball alive for an extra four seconds, which gives somebody somewhere the chance to get open. get open and you make him throw over the rush and over his line because mm. he's, you know, Diminutive. he's only five foot two or whatever. He's whatever. taller than five foot two. Yeah. Uh, he's got, but, you he... know, but it's, it's, he's a better player than Baker Mayfield, for example, but mm. the strategy remains the same. And, and then obviously you want to control D hop and make somebody else beat you. Easier said than done. Right. The, um, his, his shoulder injury is something to consider as well. And, and if indeed he starts, but uh, he's a little bit banged up, that could be something that the Pats yeah, trying I think to the exploit. Patriots were practicing uh, suplexes, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. body slams, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and give the way they protect the quarterback if you if you sack him you know and don't like do a push-up to avoid landing on top of him you're going to get called for penalty <laughs> fair this is kind of murray progressing yes. as strongly as what you expected and you think he is because everyone said he was one of those players that could take a year on year jump into into the the, the your favorite category the elite status but in all seriousness has has he well you've, you've dived in so yeah elaborate yes he has yeah, i wouldn't i wouldn't put him in the elite status yet but but he's certainly i think improving um and it's it's a it, this is a question of he and cliff kingsbury being on the same page mm -hmm. uh, and i think kingsbury is opening things up with him as marie learns and improves and and shows what you know shows what he can handle um you still worry about him every time he runs runs the ball because he looks like a peewee kid with a helmet four times too big for his head <laughs> yeah. um, as he runs. But he's shown a really good ability uh, to avoid contact when he runs. Mm. Um, you know, to know to know when to take when to take a slide and 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 when not to or to go out of bounds. Um, although he doesn't shy he doesn't shy away from it if he has to. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But he has you know getting Hopkins was such a smart move for them because he's the kind of receiver who makes a quarterback more confident. Um, he's the guy you can throw the ball to when he's covered. Mm. Uh, and Which we going, think is, is what Lamar needs, right? Win the 50, 50 ball. Yeah. 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 We talked on, I think last time you were on Mike about it, that's what Lamar, Lamar could do with a bit of that. Uh, but although easier said yeah. than done finding a deal. That, that's um, a great, that's a great comparison um, because Jackson seems afraid to go to his wide receivers. Mm. You know, and you think about last year, they did throw to three different tight ends. They threw a lot. This year, they're throwing to Mark Andrews. Mm. You know, and if, if Andrews isn't there, they, they really have a problem going to somebody else. They could do. He could do. Uh, Lamar and the Ravens could do with A.J. Brown, who stepped up in uh, in recent weeks up to My seven man. touchdowns. Yeah. 
he is he no needs nonsense. a nickname, you know, like the Ravens have Hollywood Brown, you know, mm. <laughs> go, go to Hollywood, you know, <laughs> go, go play for the Hollywood stars. But they, AJ Brown is bulldozer Brown. Now. I like it. I mean, you are the king that, of the nicknames. Mike. That was so that, old school. I, like, I, I just, I just loved watching that, you know, he's brilliant. It's him and Metcalf, those two going at it would be interesting. The um, Titans Colts is intriguing because of course, it was only a couple of weeks ago that the Colts shut down Tennessee, uh, 34-17, and particularly uh, in the second half, completely shut them out and uh, and turned the game around. What's to think it's going to be different this time around, Mike? Um, it's a good question because the Titans are the Titans and Colts are both really hard teams to figure out in some ways, um, and I think that, I think the Titans will be better prepared this time. And what they have to do, as always, is avoid falling behind by a big margin mm. um, because they're not they don't, ideally they're not designed to come from from way behind. They want to control the ball from from the front and they're a better team when they do. Um, defensively, they're not that strong, but Indianapolis is not that hard to figure out. I, you got to give Frank Reich a lot of credit as, as a coach for the way he's kept that offense clicking with the personnel he has. Now, he's got the advantage of a good offensive line, a really solid offensive line that plays well together. But I love how he's used Naheem Hines as a running back. Yep. Um, he's got a three-man rotation, uh, which, he, which he uses really well. But if you think back to Philadelphia, you know, with – smaller running backs um he he used him in goal line last week but they ran plays designed to take advantage of of his strength which is not just speed but he's actually hits a hole really hard Mm. and gets through it very quickly and and i think reich's recognized that and he doesn't really have a lot of receiving talent there um you know ty hilton's been one of my favorites for years but he's not the ty hilton he's not a deep threat really anymore um and but they use him in Pascal and and they get you know decent result from that. And I, I just think when people look at Philadelphia and what's going wrong there, I really do think that an awful lot of it is is that Doug Peterson has not had Frank Reich for the last couple of years, and that Reich's attention to Carson Wentz made him a better player. Mm. Um, and, and and Peterson being the head coach probably doesn't have as much time to be able to to work on those kind of things and structure his team with that so um i like the fact that with bulldozer uh and Corey davis both kind of livening things up with Tannehill, their their offense shows a bit more balanced um i'm still i still think their problem is that they can't depend on the consistent short shorter passing game down the field to control the ball they really do have to be able to run it and this is an it's going to be an it's an interesting bit the game comes down to me it's power against quickness it's it's the power of tennessee's run game against the quickness of indianapolis's defense they indianapolis's defense gets to the ball as well if not better than any defense in the nfl um they really do swarm now weaver i think is out um which is a big loss for them if he is because they that's one of the best three linebacker groups in the league um you know and and Darius Leonard's one of my favorite players in the league you know that's right? I mean that's how the call I mean there were special teams mistakes and uh speaking of punctured news uh a welcome <laughs> return for um Brett Kern of course uh, for the Titans who uh because they had issues you know in yeah. the last game at which which cost them but also just to your point how the Colts completely stifled 
the Tennessee offense in the second half. 138 yards, Mike, on 35 plays. That's, that's not rushing plays. That's all plays. Less yeah. than four a play. And, and they didn't score in the, in the final two quarters. So shut yeah, them they, down they, again. You know, when Tennessee has to be one-dimensional, they're – they're you know much less effective. Mm. Um, if you, if they have to throw the ball, they're a much easier team to defend. Uh, you know, and what they want to be in is that thing of just pounding and pounding and pounding at you until finally your your very tired defense in the end gives up and and Derrick Henry gets a long a long touchdown run. You know, and yeah. Cleveland wants to do the same thing with Nick Chubb, mm. um, and you know, and and I don't think they you know. Cleveland has more reason to because they've also got Hunt, Hunt running and they have Baker Mayfield at quarterback instead of Tannehill. And this will probably decide the division this game, you think? Um, I'm looking, I'm looking right as we speak. Um, I've, I had, I had Indianapolis winning the division at 10 and six mm. before last week and ball and Tennessee being second at nine and seven. Um, so yes, I think that's a win fear for Tennessee is a really important one because they um, they've got Green Bay um, out of the division and Cleveland out of the division. Um, Indy's got Ve- got Vegas um, and Pittsburgh out of the division. So you know those are those are tough games for both teams. With perfect symmetry, let's end on another NFL character I've interviewed, uh, Mike Vrabel, <laughs> who, uh, <laughs> because he got he's getting a huge amount of credit, Mike, and, and understandably so. And last game, uh, last week rather, or last game last week, it felt a really pivotal stage of their season. That uh, and Vrabel was uh, typically animated and and everything else, but he, he's proving week on week how how strong a coach he is in in terms of. Um, decision making, all, all the boxes that you want to tick, really, for a, a, a contemporary coach in head coach in the NFL in 2020. Brable just seems to be uh, the, the prototype. He, he, how quickly he has become one of the most impressive head coaches in the NFL uh, is is interesting, isn't it? Because it was when they were over a couple of years back, uh, the game we did, of course, for the Beeb when they played, he was still a very young head coach then, but he was under fire. He was under fire. Even then, it was like, I'm not sure he's cut out for this. So, well, you remember, he went, for the, he went for the win with the two-point conversion. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think just wanting to go back to the hotel <laughs> one way or the other. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, as I said at the time, I, you know, they didn't execute the play well enough, mm. but I, I don't argue with the call. Right. Um, I'm, I really apart unless it's really stupid um i don't mind a coach deciding he wants to win the game rather than take the 50 50 chance of overtime mm. you know of winning the toss in overtime i which is why i don't like overtime because if there wasn't overtime you would see that kind of a decision from a coach more often yeah you, know, you score at the end of the game uh do you go for the two-point conversion to win or do you take mm. do you settle for a tie yeah um i'd love to see that decision coming up more and more yeah. and and ties also just as a as a sidebar are the best tiebreakers around because if you didn't have a tie the eagles wouldn't be leading the nfc east like, with a three six and one record it's like you've been listening to the pub when you're not on it mike because i made yeah. that but anyway very point back on to Vrabel. the thing yeah. with Vrabel is one he sets the tone for the team and the team understands the culture yeah. in other words everybody knows what they want to do and how they want to do it um so you but it's a very kind of patriot thing um, which many of the many of the former Patriot assistants have not been able to actually make work when they've become head coaches. Well, they try and do it often without the winning, right? That's the key. Like, you know, if you look at it, it's chicken and egg, you know, right. but guys buy into winning things. But but you first have to convince them that you're, uh, you know, and and when they went out and, and stomped on the, the logo in Baltimore. Right. Yeah. 
um, to me, this is, it's a way of saying to the Ravens who are supposed to be tough and bad guys and stuff that we're the, we're the bad guys in, in this situation. Mm. Um, you know, and, and we're, and, and that seemed to carry through to the game. Mm. Um, you know, I, I was wondering if the Ravens would try doing that to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Tennessee <laughs> right. could easily fit into that division, you know. Yeah, right. Very happily. <laughs> but that's that's been the thing with with Rabel, and and he takes mm. responsibility. He doesn't he doesn't kind of pass blame. Um, mm-hmm. It is what it is. I think Brian Flores is kind of the same way. Yep. Um, in a maybe more cerebral way that, than Vrabel. Um, right. But it, it's setting the culture of the team. Um, so that the team knows what they're supposed to do, what they are. And if you know what you are, then, you know, then it's easier to improve um, if, if you're not being what you, what you want to be. Mm. Um, a lot of, a lot of coaches flounder at, at this very point. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think of the Patriots coaches, you could say Patricia certainly uh, has um, um, Manginius did after his first year, um, Bill O'Brien did. Uh, so, you know, it, it's nice. Plus, both of them have general managers. I mean, in Florida, Greer wasn't actually a patriot, except apart from a year as a scout, but his father was. Mm. Um, and and Robinson in Tennessee is, is also is from the Patriots. So so they know how that kind of thing works in terms of cooperating and and getting, you know, the GM, getting the coach to play the players that he needs, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. system that he wants. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's great. I think you've got two really good coaches going up against each other. Mm-hmm. Um you know, right now, I'd love to be the head coach and hire Frank Reich as my offensive coordinator and Vrabel as my defensive coordinator. <laughs> we'll try and make that work. I would yeah, love to I'll see be, that. And then have to be the toughest guy in the room. That's going to be a quite. Can we, can we have Mike tough. Singletary as linebackers coach just to throw that, <laughs> throw that out there? Mike like will be that. my bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> he doubled down. Oh, and, and can I bring up one last point? Of course you can. Because um, this week we had the first all black um, officiating crew in right. the NFL, which is a real milestone, obviously. And, and part of the milestone, I think, is that so few people noticed it, um, mm. you know, that we, that we take it for granted, which is what, what it sh- the way it should be. Um, but the first black NFL referee was a guy called Burl Toller, who was hired in the mid-60s, I think. And there's a great story behind that because he played his college football on the undefeated team in 1951 at University of San Francisco. Um, that never went to a bowl game. Um, three Hall of Famers on that team, Gino Marchetti, Ali Matson, uh, and Bob St. Clair. Toller was a small center linebacker. Didn't get drafted, but went to the college all-star game, played defensive end, and, and had his knee smashed. So he never played football after that. And he, he taught, he was an educator. But the student PR guy, and manager of that San Francisco team was a kid called Pete Roselle, or he was the sports information director, I think at, at USF. Mm. And Roselle had hired the coach of that team, Joe Kuharich as the supervisor of officials while Kuharich was behind between coaching jobs. And they hired Burl Toller as a referee Mm. in 1964 or five um, because of that connection back, back to USF. And what a good, you know, referee person man he was um i never met him but i met his son who played receiver at either cal or stanford i can't remember now and played briefly in the in the world league for cologne uh in nfl europe 
and played, I think, arena ball as well. Um, but I, you know, I made a point of asking him about his father and just saying how much I liked his story and stuff like that. His, his son couldn't have been more more gracious. So anyway, bet, yeah. again, I'm back to the Patreon well you, column. Yeah. Last year, I wrote about the USF team, that, that 1951 season. It was also the last year of football at the university. The, the college dropped it after that. Mm. Um, and um, I'm, I'm going to put that up again, maybe over the weekend, maybe nice. even for free Rebooted. so people you go. can look at it and then decide to subscribe or not patreon.com forward slash mike carlson fmte it is well worth a subscription get involved with that we'll push it out on our social channels as well happy thanksgiving bud great to see you you too gonna cook a couple of um con- confit de canard um, <laughs> for thanksgiving since i'm on my own and no no one to make a turkey for and pumpkin pie and all that oh and mike mccarthy you know if he really wants to win tonight yeah he's got to take his sledgehammer and smash a pumpkin to shreds <laughs> You know, he's done the watermelon. It's pumpkin time. I'd love know? to see that. In the middle of the field pregame. The only thing that would be better is if they were playing in Landover and he could do it. <laughs> he could do it at the FedEx field logo. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Great to see you, bud. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Check it soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Lovely stuff from mine, Mike. He's going to be back very, very soon. You can count on that. Um, we'll check in very shortly with David Whitney making his first appearance of the season. Very funny, man. Looking forward to catching up with him very shortly. Before we do that, though, let's check in with one of the key members of our crew, Marley. He's been casting his eyes over this weekend's fantasy action and has got three steers to get you set. Yes, guys, that's right. Marley here jumping in to give you some fantasy picks ahead of week 12. Fantasy leagues everywhere coming down to crunch time. Every game matters. Every week matters. So I thought I'd give you a startum, a sit and a defensive pick ahead of this week. My startum is going to be Kareem Hunt for the Browns. Coming up against the Jags defense this week. And the Jags defense is not talented up front or anywhere for that matter. And Stefanski has that running game rolling in Cleveland. And the Browns are good, which is weird to say. And I'm expecting them to be up a lot against the Jags and running a lot to bleed out that clock. Start Kareem Hunt. My system is going to be AJ Green. Joe Burrow tearing his ACL, MCL, everything he could possibly tear in the leg last week and will not be on the field. Quarterback Brandon Allen will be leading the Bengals and I'm not expecting much production there. Not against a Giants team with it all to play for, of course. A half game off the top of their division with their 3-7 and seven record. Defensively, I'm going very simple with my pick. I'm going with the Dolphins. Flores has that defense cooking down in South Beach. The Finns are top 10 in rating allowed, touchdowns allowed, and completion percentage this season. And it always helps when you're playing the Jets. Their last matchup included a play from the Jets for minus 28 yards. Only the Jets. Great stuff from Marley. Uh, We will have more fantasy advice from him next week. Let's move things swiftly along and look at some of the other games on the Week 12 slate. And welcome to the show, the brilliant David Whitney. David Whitney, it is, it is very good to see you. Long time oh, no see. How is life? Uh, it's a, well, you know, I mean, it, 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 hasn't that become the most loaded question on the face of the earth in 2020? You know, because you, you, your instinct response to how are you doing is go, well, 
how do you yeah, how do you think everything is burnt to the ground? Everything <laughs> I love uh, it has been cancelled or postponed because everything I do is about getting people to in groups, you know, uh, stand up comedy, theatre, you know, everything that's fun, mosh fits, pits, uh, you know. But that aside, I'm ha- I'm healthy and I've been able to use this year of not having any work whatsoever uh, to throw myself into my kettlebells and lose a load of weight so jedi master you know, kettlebell yeah <laughs> it's great to see you. and you say that i mean you know i hear you i hear you and, and i love the the always um slightly artificial elements of broadcasting when for example you've been chatting for 10 15 minutes before the camera's rolling and it's like oh hi how are you <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like you haven't had that that conversation but i'm not sure i'm buying everything you're saying i'm not sure it's all doom and gloom because you're new york giants David Whitney are in the playoff race. They're in the playoff race. And, <laughs> and even better than that, in Joe Judge, I mean, you must love Joe Judge. I do. I do. I do believe in the judge. I mean, Dave Gettleman, I mean, what an incredible uh, thing he's put together by putting together a roster with absolutely no talent. He can really judge. <laughs> how good the judge is and the judge is putting some grit and determination and fight into a pretty desperately bad roster i love that idea that gettleman's game plan is just to test what they've got by giving him the worst possible roster that they possibly could um, he's certainly put some fight into into things i mean he's given some fairly frisky press conferences of course which i i particularly love we on the long-running thing on the show david interested in your insight into this the power rankings because the NFL and NFL media loves loves a power ranking, right? And we uh, we've kind of slightly spun that with our, our favorite power ranking this season: head coaches that are most terrifying. Particularly <laughs> head coaches are most terrifying if you were to play or, or work under them, and you're going into the locker room at halftime down. So you've got Mike Vrabel is on that list as an absolute sure. lock. Uh, Mike Tomlin, uh, as uh, as Tom Deacon suggested, is just terrifying by staring at you without doesn't need to say anything. I, no, just look, I mean, just I, 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 I am a long uh, head member of the church of loving Tomlin. I think he's, he's what all men should look up to. I just, I, I want to get myself a bracelet that says, what would Mike Tomlin do? Uh, <laughs> I love not, that. not wear bracelets, probably. Um, I, th- I think Tom Lewis. I think he'd be. I think he'd be comfortable doing that. It's of course the f- the first week of the NFL when all the head coaches, certainly most of them, one or two, uh, didn't quite get the rules week one, but were having to conduct their business on the sidelines with face masks. Of course, Tomlin was the coolest. You know, had his aviators on, <laughs> just pulling off looks that no one else, no one else can. So the judge will be on that list, on that power ranking list of of, of terrifying or at least fearsome head coaches. Is maybe sure, sure. I, I think he's, um, yeah, he, he definitely, he definitely uh, not shy to give you both barrels. And um, I, I, I also I like this idea of. Um, uh, of not having because uh, he comes from being a special teams coach and a slight tangent to how ferocious he is mm. uh, it doesn't mean that he's meddling in either side you, you know what i mean right you, right you and um when you've got people having their first go as a head coach because they've been good as a coordinator they they tend to sort of like get their heads um, stuck into the playbook and they don't look up. And, you know, you've mm. seen greats like Andy Reid making really 
kindergarten mistakes with as far as the, the, the clock at the end of a game is concerned. And that's because, you know, he's got his playbook open in front of him and he's being a genius calling plays and yet mm. he doesn't stand back. So I like the idea of, uh, 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 of him being, you know, just a leader of men and get, get specialists as coordinators beneath him. Unfortunately, one of those specialist at the moment is uh, the older clapper from Dallas Cowboys and they can mm. have him back frankly. <laughs> I'm not sure they sure they take him back although hey mate they might be changing their entire coaching staff as well and I'm sure that uh, it will be Mike Nolan that gets pushed under the bus in, in, in Dallas there and in true head coach preserving your backside special from um, uh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, oh, they have got rid of Mark Colombo though that, that, was quite, oh, yeah. that was quite kind of... Did he have a fight with a player or something? It all kicked off, didn't it? And Judge was, I mean, this is, I guess, testament to Judge's, Judge's approach. It's my way or the highway, right? And, uh, and, and I like that. I think that that belongs, of course, in, uh, in Jersey, <laughs> in, yeah. in, in Sopranos. Land. Where are you on, on Danny Dimes, Dave? Because, you know, if things, and, it, and it, I guess it, it, things look like you're not going to end up with the number no. one overall pick, although there is a possibility there. I guess there is a shot you might be able to, uh, you might land someone like Justin Fields, have the opportunity there, but it, it seems unlikely. So does that mean that that Danny Dimes' run continues, or do you think the Giants should look to try and deal up? If, in particular, one of those teams that doesn't need a quarterback lands one of the top two spots. Uh, and let's just say, worst case scenario, the, the Giants tank and and end up with the with the number one spot would, would is it a no-brainer that you take him where are the giants faithful on 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 daniel jones well if we got the number one spot i think it is a no-brainer i mean i don't watch a hell of a lot of college football i don't watch any college football but by a hell of a lot but by the highlight reels that i've seen of uh, trevor lawrence um mm. a just um it just looks off the charts, doesn't he? So if we were at the number one spot, I do think it would be a no-brainer, but we're not going to be, are we? We've got three wins. Uh, we've got the Bengals, the Cowboys and the Browns ahead of us. They're three very winnable games. Mm. I think maybe I'm dreaming with the Browns. Maybe they're a bit better than I give them credit. But I mean, um, I, <laughs> I once was joking with a comedian friend of mine, Ryan Carl, to the worst record uh, for any NFL season is six and ten mm. because you're out of getting blue chip players mm. and the roster and you're not going to go to the playoffs. It's the worst thing. And Ryan and I joked that it was uh, a little bit um, the sort of level of our stand up careers and we should get tattoos that said uh, uh, six and ten for life. But luck, luck, <laughs> <laughs> although you, you but say I, that, I think, I six, think and ten, cap, six and ten could win the division for you this year, right? It I could, mean, couldn't it? Could yeah. it could? I think, yeah, and I, we could get to six. And there's only about four good defenses in the whole NFL at the moment. Uh, I just love the fact that without having, um, uh, I mean, it seems ridiculous that we're still talking about this 10 weeks into the season, but without having had preseason, mm. you do seem to have a lot of players wandering around the pitch, not looking, looking like they do not know where they're meant to be standing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think, I think in a normal season, this, this is, the, this is, I think the worst I mean, they've been showing some grit in the last two weeks, but apart, yeah. if it's got a little bit of perspective on the season, this is probably the worst I've seen the Giants ever. Wow. 
Wow. I mean, that is a, that is a high bar. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is, you know, let's uh, let's hammer the gag one more time. And yet you're still in the hunt for the playoffs. All right, we're good. let's start with your game against the Bengals. We're going to do quick fire picks with you, right? So we're going to rattle through the, the games on the Week 12 slate that we haven't talked about with Iron Mike. Um, and there are quite a few. There's some goodies as well. The return of Mike Glennon, I'm very, very excited. <laughs> but as is, as indeed is the aforementioned Tom Deacon, we're both them. Um, that all goes down, back to a uh, time when I left the voicemail on Tom Deacon's phone pretending to be Mike Glennon. And I don't know why, <laughs> why is Mike Glennon? I think I must have been a story about who was on the screen. And so I just decided. So we've been obsessed with Mike Glennon. So the moment the news broke that Glennon was coming back, guess who messages me <laughs> within about five seconds? Um, it's not a drill. Mike Glennon is back in the NFL, which is great to see. Um, but we'll start with with the Bengals because it, you know, significantly more winnable this game for, for yeah. you guys than it was a week ago, right? With yeah, yeah, Brad and Finley it, as their quarterback. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I mean, in some way, you know, apart from I said, like, apart from the last two weeks, I really wanted the Giants just to clean house, get rid of Gettleman. He, he's terrible. His picks have been atrocious. Even if you agree with. Um, his point of view of don't go for flashy uh, ballers, go for grit and punch in the face type guys on the uh, building them on the uh, winning the games in the in the trenches. He's picked bad people, you mm. know. He's picked uh, t- uh, even within the rules of his own beliefs. Mm. He's picked bad people. I mean, he's he publicly admitted he decided he was going to pick Daniel Jones from watching 15 minutes of the senior <laughs> Yeah. Even if that's true, have the decency to tell your supporters that you put a little bit more work in than that. Just blag it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't pretend you're doing some true di- uh, good <laughs> diligence, please. <laughs> I love... It would be... It, I mean... I- <laughs> It would be great if you lo- if you lost to Ryan Finley and the Giants fans are willing you. I mean, if you weren't in this in this ridiculous divisional race, I, mean, I think probably a lot of Giants fans would agree, right? It would be great. This is the the icing on the cake for this particular incarnation is we lose to Ryan Finley. But you're not good at surely, are you? I mean, I know there is. I guess well, it's a trap game because you never never quite know. But it's a porous offensive line for the Bengals. Yeah, they got yeah. weapons around, but I, I I can't see any way the Giants don't win this game. No, well, you'd hope that they that they would win. You'd hope you'd hope that what Joe Judge is building um, gets another step up. Now I joke about uh, six and ten is the worst uh, record to ever have, but who had six and ten last year? The uh, the Dolphins, and that's the, the kind of sees that your Dolphins. I was like, yeah, of course, I'm talking, um, and uh, kind of hope that you want to come out of this season. Okay, yeah, it's a it's a car crash. Yeah. Every single one of Gettleman's deals, everybody that he's left walk, walk out the building. Uh, Richburg, our centre, is having a great career with the 49ers. Josh Pugh, uh, who was our, uh, a mover and around guard, he's doing incredibly well um, on the offensive line for the Cardinals. Everybody's walked out. Uh, Jack Rabbit was meant to be burnt out. He's having a great season with the Saints. Yeah. He could get in interceptions all over the place. Everybody that uh, Gettleman has let walk out of the building apart from uh, Odell Beckham mm. um, is having a much better career where they left us for and that just shows you that the people picking the personnel are not the right people for the job 
I hear you. Uh, it's a great point. And the, the Miami comparison as well is great. You can end, end strongly, right? You know, if you, it's, yeah. God, it's just like stand-up, right? You know, if uh, you, you struggle for the first 10, then you smash the second 10, you, you definitely want it that way around, right? And I think the yeah. NFL, very similar there. Uh, on the point of players improving when they move, uh, that totally resonates with me. The flip side of that, although things are looking up, uh, for, for us as, as West Ham fans, it, it, my sister and I, you know, she's the reason I'm a West Ham fan. Uh, the most pessimistic sports fan in the history of sports, the loading in West Ham, uh, will often lean over to me when watching a game in the first 11 seconds and say, we're going to lose. <laughs> this, is, this is what we're dealing with. But she's right about one thing. Most players, most of the time, since we've been supporting West Ham, get worse when they come to <laughs> why i mean it's like it's some kind of void a black hole i guess the giants it's the inverse when the moment they they go out into the big wide world they become players but uh it wasn't yeah. one for them so i i sympathize in here so who are you picking I, i'm going for the giants you've got it presumably despite yeah, your gettleman yeah. you've got to do it all right i like that yeah. next up charges yeah. bills um this is a fascinating one because the bills are quite heavy favorites here the line's about five at the moment i think and uh let me ask you this who would you if you the Whitney franchise, which is definitely a theme I want to build upon uh, in, 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 in years to come. But if we were starting it today, would you take Josh Allen or Justin Herbert as your quarterback? Justin Herbert. Well, you didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's so exciting to watch. Hmm. Well, so is Allen, isn't he? Yeah, he's not got quite the arm, though, has he? I think Herbert's been... And he's the one that really... Um, He's the one that stings for me as a Giants fan, the one that got away. Because mm. he um, he postponed coming out to the draft and he decided to stay another year in school. And I thought he was nailed on to be a Giant at that mm. draft because Eli was he was done. And then then once Herbert was out of the, the, the draft, um, they didn't look like we looked at another quarterback and we ended up... Um, uh, see going for Barkley, who is a stud, but when will we see him again? Will we see him again as a giant? Because well, how gonna... bad is that injury? Do you think? What's the what they're saying about it? The Barkley. Well, it's well, it's just the fact that he's uh, contract negotiation time while being injured, and ah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, and if just because he's such a sort of marquee, sexy player, despite being injured is going to demand a huge amount of money and Gettleman doesn't like paying anybody. Uh, so well, it could be so, so disappointing if it ends that way. And, and of course, that's quite significant in terms of, of how the season has gone. I get, it'll, look, I, it'll, I, I, be, it'll be great news for him because he'll go to another team and become better. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> of course, as we've established, yeah, he'll suddenly become even better. God's sake, what even better is, is yeah. a prospect. Uh, I, look, I love Herbert too. I'm with you. Uh, I, do, I was just interested that you, you didn't blink on that one. Uh, so because, uh, Josh Allen's got the same sort of brain farts as uh jones you know he's there are, there are certain quarterbacks aren't however successful a profession they get i mean phil rivers is probably the poster boy for this that's at any moment <laughs> this i mean Favre was like that right i know we loved it about yeah. Favre, but because he would just try some ridiculously high risk pass and triple coverage mm. to win a game uh it could, could flip on uh, on a dime okay uh who are you picking then bills at home you going with buffalo that as i say significant favorites you think charges for the upset yeah, I mean, the Bills are a pretty um, complete operation, aren't they? Mm. That I, I can't really see a glaring weakness on the Bills' side. I think they're um, a very well-built football team. And um, as much as I 
really enjoy watching Herbert, I think they will probably come up short again, which is it must be so heartbreaking for them. <laughs> they just, just they, they just doesn't seem to matter what the charges do. Yeah, uh, they, they still manage to, to to just find ways to lose games that they have no right to lose. <laughs> it, it, it just feels like some plot of an early nineties, uh, early nineties movie that the charges have been cursed and it's just and they've forgotten to they've, for, they've forgotten that we're thirty years on now and it's still you know there should have been a happy ending it should have been reversed kind of big <laughs> yeah. star they should have found, found the machine at the end of the Atlantic City Pier that, that cursed the judge <laughs> in the nineties but we forgot to do that part. Um, all right, Panthers Vikings next. Um, I guess defeat uh, to the Cowboys has pretty much scuppered the Vikings playoff chances mm. teddy on track they're saying to, to start for carolina they're not so sure about mccaffrey um and adam Thielen's a wait and see the line is on uh f- for the vikes uh interesting times for for the panthers because i think when the news broke last week teddy wasn't going to start just before the game right so he was activated then he was deactivated uh, and pj walker came in and we thought okay that's that's curtains then and and it was a mightily impressive performance from them and particularly against Detroit shutting Matt Stafford out for the first time in his, his career. So to follow your point through David about teams that are trending up, that Panthers very much so, right? It's a lot of buzz. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, but a lot of buzz about them for next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that again, I mean, you know, they've got really good coaching there and they're, they're building in the right way. Um, whether Teddy is the guy that you want to be pinning your future on, I don't know, but, it's the problem with the NFL. If you've got a competent quarterback, right? You're never really in the 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 lineup to get a new quarterback. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so you yeah, get, yeah sure. So you get stuck with your 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 middle of the road guy for like a decade. Um, you know, guys had such a horrific injuries and stuff that I think. And I just don't see much fight in these Vikings. Mm. You know, they've got they've got a fair bit of talent throughout their roster, but they don't seem to have any any spirit for the fight. Well, they, they went on a bit of a tear, didn't they? And then and then it just seemed to you know to lose against Dallas in, in the manner that they did because yeah. they were very much that we can get to Thanksgiving at you know five hundred and oh it's suddenly back on and you know yeah. that seems to take the wind out of their sails. I think I think they get the win. I don't feel strongly about this. I'm kind of leaning leaning Minnesota. I think Thielen's obviously key. I think if he doesn't start, then it's going to be difficult to to call and uh, too many variables. I guess does Teddy start? Does he not? Does McCaffrey? Although they seem to have on quite well without McCaffrey but I'll, I'll lean yeah. Vikings for the sake of it who are you picking I think Carolina Carolina okay Browns yeah. Jags next and of course as I mentioned the return of Mike Lennon uh, yeah. I think I don't know what you think about this idea the Jags should take uh, middle of the road quarterbacks from the last 10 years and start them for the rest of the season or at least until Carl- <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll start Glennon this week we'll have Blade Gabbert oh yeah Christian Hoyer. Ponder, Hoyer. I want Hoyer. Hoyer is, Hoyer Hoyer is, is the perfect Absolute example. most media. I mean, look, if you're listening, Hoyer, well done you. You've Probably done is. a lot of money yeah. being a professional quarterback. Yeah. I, I, I'm still envious of you, but I mean, a Hoyer is the, look, yeah, you don't have to be an athlete. True. To be a quarterback. That's, I mean, there is, uh, I mean, really... there used to be a rule that you had to be good looking to be a quarterback. He proves that wrong as well. 
I want to, I, I really want to look, I'm sure someone, someone let us know at the NC show on our social channels. If you know of something like this existing, I'd love to see a, a real deep dive documentary on the backup quarterback. You know, I, lo- I love to see, or like the third stringer. I want to see, I want to see, I want to see those players that come in often late first round picks, you know, the team's gambled and, you know, Matt Castle was like that for a long time. He had that, you know, that time in New England and bounced into a gig at Minnesota. And then it all kind of, uh, Matt Barkley's another one. These guys are just yeah. are in the league for years as backups. And I think it's particularly yeah. hard. If you take someone like Barkley, he was, what, I think, I think he was USC. He was like a superstar, like college, yeah. playing in front of 80,000 people, you know, and then he's, uh, you're a backup. And, and, and for a lot, as I said, I don't watch uh, a, whole, a whole lot of um, uh, college football, unless I'm in America. I do, do like you watch them. more than Dave Gettleman? it was very funny but it actually hurts yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> really hurt that lid the wreck kicked to my balls there well done um, um the, the browns are well you what do you say earlier about it? you're not so not so sure about it. they're so watchable aren't they the browns there's just this i, I they've I, i've got no skin in the game as far as Cleveland concerned, but I, I will always watch that on. Oh, they're an intriguing team. Yeah, I, I just, I just, it feels like, um, I will, will Baker ever have that invincibility back that he mm. believes in himself? Um, uh, I, I think confidence is so important in the quarterback position. And you and you see these people, you know, that have this un even you know like James, um, uh, the guy who's been overlooked at the Saints uh, for Taysom Hill, um, James Winston. Yes, you know, thirty interceptions and thirty touchdowns, but he still kind of thinks he's invincible. And so mm. I think he's. But whereas I see doubt in Baker's eyes, and that wasn't mm. there in the first season. And if he never. To call him a game manager seems a bit because he came in with so much flair. Yeah, I just, I just want, I, I just would like to see it. But I'd like, I'd, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see Baker be excited. I'd like to see the Browns be excited because, God, they've they've suffered enough. I think it's a great point you make actually that that that's that I don't think I, many people ha, have made that point that the way that they've tried to control the offense and 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 control Baker just to tone it down has at the same time affected that moxie that he, that he had. And, you know, it, 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 we talk about Favre and obviously that is a, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of high ceiling for, for Mayfield, but it's that kind of thing, right? You almost want your a player like that to take shots because that's what makes him the, the potentially great player that, that he could be. I'm picking Browns for this. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, you can't. I mean, I'd, I'd love the Jags to win because that would give them another win and therefore uh, right, more right. likely that we'll have a higher draft pick than them because they're definitely going to pick a quarterback. Mm. Uh, but uh, no, I can't see anybody that the Browns would. Speaking of which, Dolphins, Jets. So the Jets obviously in, in pole position, but uh, the two situations made this one quite interesting. You pulled out of the last game, and I, I quite I, I flip flopped about this. I don't know what your take is. When when he was pulled, I thought that's and we talked about it. I think on Monday's pod with, with Greg Brady. Uh, is that really the right way to instill confidence in your you know he's only been in the saddle five seconds and you're pulling him and there's going to be a lot of talk about that and that can really obviously damage confidence then as the week's gone on i've actually thought no this is 
strong heavyweight coaching from Flores. It's I think it all goes on the, the relationship between him and Flores. If right. they've got an open, honest and nurturing relationship, I think it's the perfect thing to do. Mm. You, know, like you weren't having your best day at the office. You're still my number one guy. Mm. But, you know, uh, on any one day, I've got to play the hot hand. I've got to play the person who's in form. Mm. Um, and... But yeah, if as long as they're, they're having those conversations, then I think it's the right thing to do because he wants to win games and uh, 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 Torres, you know, he's an incredible talent, but we haven't seen a lot of it. He hasn't been moving the offense incredibly. Right. Uh, right. with it's, it's a team and, built around its defense, isn't it? And uh, and and special teams, I guess. And God, if it, God, if if Fitz Magic was on the Giants, I'd be screaming for him to be put in the game. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, man's yeah. amazing. I, just, I, hope I, bounces, I hope he bounces. I hope he bounces to another game. It's one of the one. It's one of the saddest moments of the season, I think, when he was talking to the press after yeah. he found out he'd be benched. It was really, you know, and it was quite uncharacteristic, really, of him as a, as a smart and seasoned vet yeah. to be. That open, so openly actually, hurt. Yeah, so openly hurt. It shows how hurt he must have been, right? If if mm. if, he, if his guard went down to that degree when he spoke, to, he speaks to the media for God, mm. twenty years probably. Um, okay, we got to rattle through the other picks. Uh, I pick both bigger dolphins. No self-respected yeah. Giants fan would would of course pick put gangrene. Uh, pick gangrene. Raiders Falcons. Julio could be out for Atlanta, which um, uh, which makes this interesting. Although he didn't factor that much against the Saints, but they were so vanilla against against New Orleans last week. I like the Raiders for a bounce back win on the road here. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't. The, the Falcons, uh, my American friends, uh, love my pronunciation of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did something with the Good Morning Football guys and and called um, and called the, uh, the the Jaguars the Jaguars and you just they yeah. sort of looked at me and they went oh Jaguars I was like okay sorry yeah. I can be I can be making a point about you know just I'm talking about something about anything we'll quarterback word and I just like why are the four people at the table laughing at me and uh, <laughs> oh, I said Falcons rather yeah. than Falcons yeah. see I say Falcons I but I say oh. Jaguars so yeah I'm not even consistent oh, right, at, okay. least, at least you're consistent um <laughs> Who do you like though in the game? Raiders uh, or Falcons? Raiders. Falcons. Falcons. Raiders. Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be up against up against that Atlanta, that Atlanta off- front seven. That would be great. That, that offensive line I'd like to see. The rather <laughs> Rather trained offensive line. The play yeah. calling, the audibles from the quarterback would be, <laughs> be amazing. It'd be all lines from Shakespeare. You'd hear him in the you'd be in the cheap seats at the top, <laughs> and you'd still you'd still hear it. But wonderful diction, really great projection. Um, Saints Broncos. The Broncos getting that surprise win, of course, against Miami last time out. Um, I still don't believe in them, though. Do you? No, I don't think I do. I mean, I think that, that was, a, we talked about it on the R Edge Rush show, the, the potential of that being a trap game, even though it was only the producer's lock of the week. Of course it was, of course it was nevertheless. But we spent, you know, 11 minutes talking about, I think this could be a trap game. And then, and then Ollie picked it as our lock uh, of the week. I, uh, yeah, no, I don't. And, and I think Broncos fans are, are super disappointed that yet again, John Elway can't pick a quarterback, right? I mean, uh-huh. going into this season, I think I've mentioned this a, a couple of times on, uh, on the show this season, every time I come up, uh, I talk about Drew Lock. Although I called him called him Trevor Lock <laughs> last week, uh, Drew Lock. It, the, everyone was so big on him. I did a Dolph, uh, uh, Denver pod preseason. 
Uh, and they were all, yeah, no, no, he's our guy. Like they, they got a little bit, little bit offended that I was suggesting that he might not be the the oh, franchise yeah. quarterback. And of course, he he doesn't seem to be. No. So yeah, no, not buying no, him no. either. So Saints no. with Taysom, uh, that right call for you to go with Taysom and not Jameis? Do you think? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, just to come back to Locke, just for one minute. Um, yeah. uh, 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 a lot of people have made a lot of quite snide jokes going. Well, it's about time that uh, John Elway was found out after everybody gave him so much credit for spotting that Peyton Manning was good. And let me mm. tell you, with Dave Gettleman as my GM, I'd like somebody <laughs> with that type of knowledge. <laughs> oh, I'm seeing the Whitney and Gettleman show lined up uh, <laughs> next season. That'd be great. 49ers Rams. Uh, the Rams, of course, uh, Looking tidy and looking mm. strong, and the 49ers banged up. An NFC West matchup for the record, disappointingly, I guess, because of the injuries to San Francisco, not the races really for uh, for this season. Uh, but do they uh, land a blow on their divisional rivals, do you think? I I, I, the Rams are just cooking so much. Mm. I mean, obviously, the 49ers have got such inventive play calling that, that you, you wouldn't put a pass them to to spring a good game, especially against a divisional rival that they know so well. But I just think that the graph is going the right direction for the Rams at the moment and they're on a roll. And I think that I don't think this week is going to be the week that that does that, that, that stops. Two more for you. Bears, Packers, which uh, it looks, David, like it's going to be proper football weather, you know, sort of four degrees, which is what we want to see. Yeah, um, I love it. I love it. I a pack is heavy favourites, and I, and I can't see any any kind of upset on the cards here. Green Bay, all the way. No. Yeah, you with me on that? Last one is Monday Night Football. You'll love this. I was looking around, uh, getting ready for the game, and found a, a local Philly news site. Right, that had this uh, had a, you know as as a lot of news sites do now had a, a couple of minutes video uh, where they were previewing the game, and they flashed up a local a Philly poll should Carson Wentz be benched right? <laughs> and I thought, okay this will be interesting it'll be 65 35 maybe 60 40 89% yes bench him <laughs> Philly fans as aggro and angry as they can be that's bench yeah. Carson Wentz but yeah. you know maybe maybe uh, maybe they will so I'm not sure they will look for this I mean game. he's another one that he just doesn't believe in. he like he's the even more version of the what's the problem with Baker is that he's just he just yeah. second guesses himself too much. He's, yeah. He well it, that that mojo he had to believe in himself and see the passes complete before they leave his hand. Mm. Uh, it's just gone, and yeah. and it, I hope we see Wentz come back. You know, it probably needs to be a change of scenery for him. Mm. I think because mm. he's still got all the talents he had eighteen months ago. So sure, sure. Uh, but maybe if he could find himself in a different color uniform next year here about it feels like he's stuck there at the moment doesn't it it's, it's a good point you know and uh, and uh, you know a good one to end on because i think that that if you look at something someone like Tannehill, for example you know everyone's saying the same thing right uh you know and and, and i guess they had similar-ish careers in many respects yeah. look promising starts playoffs injuries never the same after an injury and Tannehill went to tennessee nobody was thinking anything other than yeah He's a capable backup and, and now yeah. we can fly. And so you never know. Things could yeah. uh, could all turn around, as you say, with a different situation. Great to uh, see you, man. It's great to see and, you. And you, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, uh, 
been a lot of fun. And uh, I noticed as well, apart from uh, your uh, Kettlebell King of Chicago work, um, uh, Backyard Comedy Club, of course, which you're, you're a regular at, are doing a lot, of, a lot of virtual shows, right? So, and I guess... The, uh, How's we, that, how's that we, we, we were we were back doing real shows mm. for a bit um we got we reopened for about five weeks selling quite well uh, and and then it, we're shut down again so hopefully it two weekends time we'll have another crack at it and Great. do a couple of shows before christmas but who knows who knows i, I think um uh, I, I don't know what the rules are about a substantial meal you're only allowed to meet with 4.8 people at a yes time. The, yeah exactly under five so <laughs> people you're only allowed to meet with people that are under five no yeah that too uh, as long as there's 4.8 of you yeah oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but who knows if we're allowed to open we will open and we'll try and do some shows as soon as possible because brilliant and if our listeners want to check you out on social where should they head sure i'm on twitter and instagram as mentioned whitney comedy on instagram and d whitney on twitter we will push those out as well across Thanks, our man. channels. Great to see you, bud. Look after yourself. Come and see us soon. Lovely stuff from David Whitney. Uh, looking forward to seeing him soon. I and Mike will be back. You can count on that. We are going to be back. Edge Rush Show drops Saturday with me and producer Ollie. And we're back on Monday. Nikki Bandini in the house as we cast our eyes back over what I'm sure will be another whirlwind weekend in the NFL. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Sunday. We'll see you Monday, gang. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.